Welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast number 196. I knew a couple days on Tuesday I wasn't going to be able to do the Friday show. And it kind of dawned on me this morning that if I do it the day before the show goes, that anyone who wants to watch the show tomorrow can still watch it. And it opens up some new new people to hang out with and some new opportunities. Uh, This is from Sergeant Power Wiener. I need to always pause for a second on that one. It's a little bit of a 12-year-old chuckle. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just bought a JTM50 replica dream amp uh, and uh, think I'll get buyer's remorse eventually without a Marshall logo. Greetings from Yuma. Um, You know, I don't know. You won't get buyer's remorse, but yes. Is there something that draws us to the marketing, the branding? Oh, Absolutely. You know, it's why it's why uh, cars now they can change the logos on a car and call it like you know a premium vehicle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, of course, logos. Lo- look, logos have appeal. There's something about that. Owning a Marshall, owning a Gibson, owning a Fender. That being said, there's also something to having something. There's also something to say for having something unique and different. So uh, I don't think you have buyer's remorse. I just don't think you will. Um, but will it? settle the the urge or the desire to own that coveted marshal i don't know no i don't know the answer but what i what i can tell you though is as if you give me a choice if you got the jtm 50 replica and it's a great amp and you save some scratch or you spent a little bit more but got something a little bit more premium that you enjoy more maybe you can scratch that itch i don't know why you got two fingers when you scratch anyone scratching themselves with two fingers like a piece i don't know anyways um Get a Marshall fridge. <laughs> That's what you do. You get the Marshall fridge and you get your, you know, they don't make Marshall beer. Fenders should make beer and then they could sell it to people who buy a Marshall fridge and you put the beer in the Marshall fridge. I say that like I'm uh, condescending and picking on people with Marshall fridges. Keep in mind, I, I would own a Marshall fridge. <laughs> I just don't have anywhere to physically put it. If I had a space that I could physically fit that thing, I probably would have bought it, but uh, I don't. Uh, space is very limited in my, my areas. So that's, uh, that's my, uh, Sergeant Power Wiener. Be, be, I think you're gonna be happy, but you can always buy a Marshall fridge. There you go. And if you don't have a room for a fridge like me, then you get yourself a Marshall Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> that's how you fill the, the Marshall, uh, I guess, gap in your life. Um, the next one is from Dead Fish. Dead Fish says, any good ideas for a guitar Valentine's Day gift? Oh, I should pre-read these <laughs> for my wife so I can use it later. Huh. <laughs> uh, what? Good ideas for a Valentine's Day gift for my wife so I can use it later. So this is like the Homer Simpson bowling ball, right? The episode where Homer Simpson buys Marge a bowling ball. You could do that. Here's here's the thing, and 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 I know you're going for kind of the joke of this, and I know I got to stick with the, the vein of that, but I really want to kind of tell you a, a secret secret sauce that I've learned when it comes to your significant other and goodies for you and goodies for her or goodies for him, depending on you know. And uh, so here's the thing: uh, the legitimate gifts really get you more, anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you could get. I know you're going for the joke, but I'm just a theory. If you could get something for your wife or your significant other spouse, and you, uh, you know, for the intent that you can use it later, sure. Could you get away with that? Absolutely. It doesn't work. Yeah. But here's what I will tell you. Uh, I'll tell you one of the best gifts I gave my wife last year, 2020. In fact, it was such a great gift that I bought it for my daughter 
and my son. And they all three have this gift. Um, it was an amazing investment. <laughs> um, I bought them all noise-canceling Bose headphones, which are I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a concept of headphones and cost, so I don't know if they're expensive or not. They felt psychotically expensive to me. They were like two hundred ish dollars because uh, I bought them in all three different colors. I think my my wife's got silver, my daughter got pink, and my son got black. So they all have different ones. Here's why it pays dividends. Not only because you know they got headphones <laughs> that they didn't want, but they all use them. I'm I'm not. I've never seen anything like it. They use them all the time. The other yesterday, just yesterday, I was playing my Marshall 50 watt Plexi at a, you know, uh, not a subtle volume, <laughs> not enough to get the cops here, but enough to where, you know, it was painful. <laughs> and uh, I opened the door after about 30 minutes of playing. and I thought, OK, let's see what my wife says. And she looked down and there they were. She had the noise canceling headphones and uh, so did everybody in the house. So uh, if you want a great uh, Valentine's Day, Day gift suggestion, especially with a lot of people being stuck home now, uh, you know, homeschooling, homeworking, uh, you know, all that stuff. Man, those noise canceling headphones are just fantastic. I don't know if you have to buy the brand name ones. I, I didn't do any research or anything. I just Googled it and then noise canceling. Bose headphones came up. So there's my suggestion for a Valentine's Day gift. Get them some noise-canceling headphones and a box of chocolates. I don't know. Maybe you don't need the chocolates, but you get the idea. That's my suggestion for that. All right. <laughs> and it, like I said, it, they love it. They all love them. They, they, I've, you know, I, I find myself playing a little louder now. Although I hope that, thank God they don't watch this live presentation every week because they would learn stuff and they'd probably be like, wait, if we stop wearing these headphones, they'll turn down. Like, yeah, yeah, that'd probably not a good idea for them to see that. But they don't they don't watch, so we're good. All right. <laughs> sometimes I should just know this. Sometimes my son watches, he rats me out. He's so there you go. Um let's get to some more questions. Again, I'm getting some super chats and stuff, but uh I still have a couple more questions to that I want to get from just the beginning of the show and and uh, I'll come back to both sides. Uh Super Lead 100, obviously a Marshall fan says, "Hey Phil, currently have a Yamaha DG 100 uh modeling amp from the 90s, but I want to replace it with a good tube combo under $1000. Do you have any suggestions?" You know, it's funny about that amp in particular. Let me find it. Let me show everybody. It's a Yamaha amp that looks kind of like a Line 6 amp with a red face. Um, what's the point of that? Uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, you have a modeling amp, which means I don't know what in the modeling amp you like. So I can't suggest a good tube amp for you. I just can't for under thousand dollars because it just would be a random suggestion of, 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 but what I can tell you is because you have a modeling amp, you actually are very informed in how to make your own tube amp recommendation. So here's what I mean by that. It's simple. That amp is modeling something. I would highly suggest that you figure out what it is in that amp you love. It's the thing I love about modeling amps. Everything in that amp is modeling a tube amp. Find out which tube amp that you like that they're modeling. What setting are you using? Probably going to lead you on the right path to finding the right amp. I bought the uh, Helix Stomp. And uh, when I got the Helix uh, Stomp, the HX Stomp, sorry, I liked the uh, Route 65 amp. I loved it. 
And uh, I just kept going back to that setting. I hope I'm, I hope that's the right name of it, but it was something like that, right? And of course, because they can't, you know, copyright reasons use the right term of the amp. I looked it up and it said that it was modeling a Dr. Z amp. I currently own a Dr. Z amp. The Dr. Z amp I've had now for the last year or two is because of that. I found a Dr. Z amp. I figured out, well, obviously I might like that amp. And I did. I do. I like the Dr. Z. So that's my suggestion for a tube amp for a thousand dollars. You know, that's easy. Find the tube amp that best fits your your budget, which is $1,000. But I would definitely look at the current models that you're using on that amp. Find out what they sourced, which is easy to do now with the internet. In other words, what amp are they simulating? And find that and you'll be happy. Or you'll be close to happy. But by the way, that is a very underrated and very good amp, in my opinion, the DG1, uh, DG1. Uh, amp. I think a lot of the early early modeling amps were a lot better than we gave them credit for. <laughs> yeah, I find when the modeling stuff took off and in the with the Digitech and Art and of course you know all that stuff and then of course the amps uh, you know which Johnson um, you know Line Six Yamaha there was a ton of other brands out there uh, doing stuff. I, it's one of those things like everybody had a great joy for it. It was like techno joy they love it or techno fear which they hated it because it was just hard to figure out and uh, so many times like uh the cyber champ by fender and the cyber deluxe are extremely underrated amplifiers they sound fantastic chris says have you ever played an xavier the guys at guitar fetish which is also xavier and slick guitars reached out to me i want to say late last year obviously i have a video uh so balant one of the viewers here who sent some really nice stuff to me over the years to check out sent me two slick guitars i reviewed them both one got like a million views and one got i don't know like five hundred thousand views anyways um uh, they reached out and said hey would you like to do another uh video i sent them my request and i haven't heard back so I'm always constantly trying to update or fix things on YouTube and the podcast. And so what I'm doing now is as I'm uh, doing the edits for the podcast, I thought it'd be interesting to give you some more additional information on this subject. The proposal I gave them was to let me pick out two different guitars that I thought would be interesting for viewers to see. And they could pick out one guitar that they wanted me to maybe promote or talk about on the channel. That way they get three videos. But more importantly, we get two videos that I think are interesting to the community and maybe could get some views like those last two that did half a million, a million views and I never heard back from them. My guess is they just probably wanted a video just on the product they wanted to promote, weren't interested in making content videos with their product. I understand that, but they need to understand that I'm not a marketing company or commercial company that makes commercials for companies. I'm a content creator that likes to talk about guitars and um, that's the value I think I bring to the table. Make a video that explains what, how a guitar works or what's, what is it's interesting about the guitar. They get exposure. I think that benefits them and I find more time and not most of the companies I talk to. They just want their commercial and that's all they're interested in. And uh, so it works out when it doesn't work out. Oh, Martin Murray says, Sweetwater shipped my PRS 2408 Verde today. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so that's good. They're in stock. I, I saw they were out of stock. That's great. I'm glad you got the, uh, the Rize Verde. As you guys know, I love that color. Um, I think I told you guys that not during the, the video, but maybe during the live show, but uh, the... the uh, the employee that came up with that finish is named Matt Ariza. And uh, so Ariza Verde is named after him. And also Mateo Blue is named after him because he's Mateo Verde. So no, Mateo, Mateo Ariza. Sorry, Matt Ariza, Mateo Ariza. Um, Verde is, uh, I think, Spanish for green. I think. I think. 
I could be totally wrong, but I know the Ariza part's right um, because I met him at the at the PRS uh, event once and he told me the story. Jack's question is, well, I guess my employer will be getting very little productivity out of me when I watch this tomorrow, which is yesterday. That is correct. Uh, and yes, I hate to be the one that contributes to your employer's lack. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him don't let him hear what he's talking about this make sure if you're listening to work you're like headphones or keep it down you don't want to be like he's not working jack's not working i would never rat out jack for not working don't look over at jack's space and i was gonna say cubicle i don't have no idea don't work don't look over at jack's area he's he's working i'm working with jack on a zoom conference call <laughs> thank you jack <laughs> he's like <laughs> i could just see the i could just see it now phil mcknight somebody super chats him and he gets him fired what a jerk it's a good segue time to talk about something i want to talk about for a second since we talked about d'angelico guitars i have some exciting news for you guys uh, i think it's gonna be exciting for you guys i have successfully figured out how to continue to do the sharpen my axe series the problem i've been having with sharpen my axe is that the way we were doing it before was you know somebody would send me a guitar and then i'd have to find the parts and the source it and then get some kind of sponsorship and uh, it just it just it wasn't working it just wasn't working this is something that we've all talked about many times on the podcast and you guys have brought up when, when are you going to do them and i did a few here and there and the ones i did where i didn't do it that way didn't seem to land that well i decided to self-sponsor sharpen my axe so what does that mean well i went out uh yesterday that's why i'm making the announcement today actually it was tuesday i did it tuesday <laughs> but but it's okay because it's confirmed so what i'm telling you isn't something we're gonna do it's something i just did i went out tuesday and i bought eight guitars i also then went out and bought all the parts for those guitars i am going to do reviews of those guitars depends on the guitar and the situation will it be a review and then a sharpen my axe video two videos out of the one guitar or will it just be one video where i do a review slash sharpen my axe it will depend on what i'm doing and how i you know feel like you know what's the interest value of that video what's going to happen now is very simple i bought these guitars i bought all the components that are going into those guitars um i have secured two sponsors for those guitars guitars one of the sponsors is string joy and uh string joy and i worked out a deal uh and to be honest with you i just want to give credit to where credit's due scott at string joy was totally willing to send me as many packs of strings as i needed for these guitars however um you know he had a uh, like a basically i got a discount but a super crazy discount so it's worth it i just want to let you know the reason i tell you that is because he needs the credit for being a full sponsor of giving strings the only thing that's going to be consistent in all these videos is string joy string will be the only strings i use in all the sharp max videos going forward for the rest of the year we did some custom sets of strings for these guitars so i said we're going to go all, all out on this what's going to happen is i'll do the videos and then those guitars will be for sale on my reverb site and that's how it works so um if you guys want to buy one to buy the one that's in the video uh that's how it will go and that's it that's how we'll do it that way it's self-sponsored the only way i could do it i would be uh lying to you guys and i promise i'll not do that to tell you that it's been the most aggravating horrific experience dealing with companies on this issue companies not in and i don't want to take any way and want to, i'm not trying to say they're evil i'm not trying to say it's a corporate deal it's literally just they don't understand the concept <laughs> of hey wouldn't it be fun to so guitar companies are not interested in me modding their guitars i understand that okay um this has come up many times as a company's like why would we want you to take our guitar and then tell your audience why it's not that great and you have to fix it up even though i try to explain like it's not fixing it up it's 
you know, just what could you do to it? Make it a little better. And then parts companies, if every sharp of my axe is, hey, see we're Duncan pickups, <laughs> it would lose a little luster too. Here's a side note I thought I'd interject into the podcast. Um, listening back, obviously when I'm editing, I felt kind of strange saying that. When I said in the video, oh, every video would be Seymour Duncan pickups, I kind of felt strange and here's why i have no relationship with seymour duncan pickups they've never sponsored a video i requested once if they were interested to do a video i had an idea for a video on how to install pickup covers ask them if they would want to sponsor the video by sending two 12 dollars pickup covers so it'd be like 24 dollars. they told me it was way out of their budget they weren't interested that video did really well by the way if you see that video and it was even featured on guitar player and premier guitar magazines that being said i have now featured in all my videos seymour duncan 27 times and every single time not only did i buy the pickups i paid full price uh, i pulled the trigger i financed it uh you know i wrote the check so to speak i literally paid for everything um and if you're curious to see what's coming i'll tell you guys what guitars are coming for the sharp max anyone want to know i purchased a, a these are all guitars i purchased um i'm saying they're new i think almost all of them are brand new because again it's about tricking them out so i won't tell you what i bought for for parts i won't tell you what i'll be doing with these guitars um i will tell you though um i will tell you just because you're hanging out today which guitar will be first and what to look for so the guitars that i bought are coming is i got the uh almond it's almond metallic almond uh epiphone muse i bought one of those i bought a sire l7 again everything was suggested all these guitars coming were suggested by my patrons so i i picked everything that they suggested to me i have a sterling music man coming uh that is going to be sharpened i have um i'm trying to kind of look at my fingers to figure out uh i have a ltd um eclipse uh, coming for a sharpened video and again all these not all but 90 percent i'm just giving guesses will be reviewed i'll review the guitars like i normally do and then we'll do a sharp my axe video as well and uh try to do them back to back so that you don't have to drive yourself crazy i'll do the video and then maybe two days later the the sharp comes out or whatever uh and then um i the squire that i had plucked is going to be one of the sharp max that'll be the next one the very first one you'll see in the series so basically every guitar that the patrons recommended and then all the guitars after that that you guys recommended you guys wanted to see this is what you told me you wanted to see more f phones you wanted to see more ltds you want to see more reverends you wanted to see more sire guitars i basically did those guitars i basically got those guitars i purchased them i bought the stuff and then how it's going to work is i will put them up for sale of course if you know me and my vibe and my channel this isn't going to be like a gouge thing i'm probably going to just kind of recoup recoup as much as logically i can no labor cost to recoup, recoup nothing like that but you know just take what i paid for it maybe the parts and then come up with some fair price and if somebody's willing to pay that great and if not we'll drop the price kind of goes like that and then as i sell those guitars that's the best news of this all, all what i'm trying to say when i say i sponsored that any i could loan myself the money make make these videos with the guitars but this money will churn in other words as i sell a guitar i will take that money and we'll buy some more guitars and we'll be a self-funded channel that way and um I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are excited about it too. Like I said, especially since this isn't something I'm going to do. It's something I just did. So I waited to tell you guys until I did it. There you go. And I will be reaching out to companies like somebody mentioned Graph Tech, Yes. And uh, 920 Customs and stuff like that. Talking to companies like that for, for being in some of the videos when it's out. And so that will help cut the cost. But I know because somebody's going to ask me because, uh, yes, did I end up buying some uh, P-Rails? I did. And Triple Shots. I bought all that stuff. I've bought all kinds of stuff that uh, that I think is cool. I literally just, like I said, I bought the guitar. Then I literally shopped for all the things I wanted to mod the guitar, bought all that stuff. I've kind of beat this to dead horse. But 
Love it. Love it. Excited about it. Like I said, if you guys don't know, um, I will make sure that uh, when I rebroadcast, I'll, when I timestamp this, I'll put a link to my reverb store so that you guys can at least have that. I could, you know, when, when I make the videos, then I put the guitars up for sale and stuff like that. And uh, if you're interested in them, buy them. And if you're not, they'll sit and we'll figure them out. Like I said, the faster we flip them, the faster I'll put that money into the next video and we'll go. And, and will that mean that's the end of any kind of you guys sending me a guitar and me modding your guitar? No, no, like I said, but this is going to help me. That also helped me with the situation I was having, which is I trying to finish up a, a viewer's guitar and I just couldn't find any sponsorship. So I just paid for the parts and did it myself. Then just again, that one, just keep going. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Rob Bradley says, hey, uh, so I'm going to try to hit some stuff you guys are talking about that pertains to this. says, I have a Sire L7. Uh, now I'm really interested to see what you do with it. You know, I think when you guys see how I, again, I don't want to get too much into it. The more I hype this up, the less it'll be exciting later. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited too. And like I said, uh, it was kind of fun. And so, you know, as as we go down this journey, hopefully together, uh, we'll, um, uh, as I, you know, do these guitars, I'll still take in your suggestions for the next guitars too. That'll keep it fun. No guitar has been requested to be reviewed more than a reverend on this channel. So I'm really glad. Um, in fact, <laughs> this is, I, you know, I told you, I always get scared when I tell you guys stuff, you know, cause I'm like, oh, and if it doesn't happen, it's problematic when it's too, too ahead of its time. But I already secured it. I already bought them. I already got shipping tracking on them. So I'm, I, you know, bearing, um, I actually did something I think is really cool. You guys really pounded me, uh, in a positive, you know, re reassuring way. <laughs> That's my nice way of saying, oh, thanks. Can you guys be quiet now uh, about it? Reverend, Reverend, Reverend guitars, Reverend guitars. So I thought, okay, I'll review a Reverend. And uh, and when I have a guitar like that that gets requested that much for that long, I always a little uh, fearful of like, well, you know, what happens? You know, if I end up getting it and not liking it and like, oh, it's going to suck for me and for you guys. And I go, what can I do to make this exciting? So here's what I did. Uh, and I'm really impressed with this. I bought two Reverends. I bought the new a new Reverend and I bought an old made in USA one. Not so much to compare, but I will promise I will compare. I will not compare, but you know what I mean. I'll talk about it. What's different about them and what's interesting and what's missing now and what's new now and what's exciting. So there you go. It says, hey, Phil, what FX modeling unit, in your opinion, has the best Mesa rectifier style sound? Thanks. I might be the worst person to ask about this. I have always felt almost all of the Mesa, Mesa Boogie rectifier pedals and uh, effects units are always horrible to me. Uh, they never seem it's, it, and I don't know what it is. The rectifier it's again, everybody's going to have an opinion about this and, and that's, and that's great. But let me give you this cause it's, a, it's, this is a hardcore opinion about the rectifier. The rectifier is either amazing or shit. I don't know what it is about the rectifier. I don't know why I've had this huge love for the Mesa boogie rectifiers and I have found that to be true all the time, right? It's when you plug into them, sometimes they just sound like squishy crap and sometimes they just sound amazing and it's all about how, how loud they are when they're loud, the right mix, the right sound. But when a Mesa, uh, when a Mesa rectifier is great, it is, it is godly, okay? And when it is not, it is harsh. And, and don't get me wrong, a lot of amps like that. Plexis are like that. Sometimes they're like broken glass and sometimes they're just like, you know, they have this beautiful singing tone. But the Mesa uh, rectifier is the thing that's problematic with me. Here's why I, I say that to you. I say that to you because when I, playing a Mesa rectifier when I love it, 
you know, hitting the sweet spot with it, trying to get the pedals and the, and the simulated ones to sound like that. It's almost impossible. I've never heard it. I've never heard it line up. It never seems to work. It always seems like they go for the cliche rectifier sound. And, um, and I think it's because in my, in my, my judgment of this is there's a, 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 a lot of people who make rectifier clones like pedals and, um, and, uh, and, uh, simulated, I don't know what you call it, simulated digital, you know, effects units and stuff. Um, they don't love mesas. You gotta love, I think when you, I think when companies try to simulate a Marshall or an amplifier that is iconic, like, you know, a train wreck or a dumble or something like that, when they try to simulate that stuff, I think they, they so passionate, they go after it. I think a lot of, there's a lot of half-assedness when it comes to modeling the Mesa Boogie stuff. I think it's like, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds like a bad Creed album. Go, you know what I mean? Like, it literally, it seems like they don't put in a a lot of effort into the tone, and uh, and that's been my experience. And the reason is, is because I feel like I feel like, um, you know, a, a Plexi is not a hard amp. Or I'm sorry, a Plexi is a hard amp to get right when you're trying to get that pedal or that, you know, a, a multiprocessor unit sound right. But you get close. You do. You get good. I, you know, um, I've seen a lot of YouTubers do, you know, videos like, hey, can you tell the difference between my Plexi and this? And, and you know, and to be honest with you, once you're on YouTube and it's digitized, you can't. It's hard. They can get, they can get you in the range. And I, I think, I think for some reason, Mesa Boogie has just been this product that's just hard to do it. And I always, in fact, remember when Mesa Boogie made pedals? I thought for sure, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Finally, someone who loves Mesa Boogie will make a Mesa Boogie pedal that sounds like Mesa Boogie. And then they didn't make the rectifier pedals. They made everything else. They made, remember they made the throttle box and all this stuff. And I was like, what is this? What makes it worse is the 5150s, the PVs. Um, here's why I say that. When the Mesa Boogie rectifier came out, you know, and then you had the PV 5150 amps, they are, to me, very different, but very same. Sure, they're both high gain. Sure, they have lots of distortion. But to me, they are much different animals, and they articulate very differently. The The PV 5150, in my opinion, has this tight, uh, you know, kind of, I'm going to do this as dumb, as a gin, 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 gin sound. And the Mesa Boogie's got more of a a raw kind of jug jug, you know, kind of lower tone, more of a squish on it. It's not as tight. Uh, sounds really good for big chords. And, um, you know, and just again, my experience and I swear, I swear half the time somebody's telling me this is a modeled Mesa boogie or this is a Mesa boogie pedal. It's the PV. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like the 5150 pedal. It's a great sound. And I can, and you know what? I think you can get away with that, but it's not the same. So to answer your question, I haven't found one. Some of you in the comments may, may suggest some. Now that uh, Gibson has Mesa Boogie, maybe that's something that can be done. Maybe that's uh, maybe Mesa Boogie. Usually when you give companies, uh, when a big company buys a smart company, aside from all the possible negative things that can happen, some of the possible, possible, uh, possible, possible, some of the possible positive things that can happen is uh, more time and money can be dedicated to developing new products that will serve the customers better because obviously the, the, the goal is to improve the bottom line, to make more money. And you make more money by selling products. So that's not a hard thing to do. So maybe it would be really cool to see, uh, like in my opinion, I like the 5150 MXR pedal. I think that's a great pedal. Does it sound exactly like my 5150? I don't think so, but it's close, man. I can get away with murder with that pedal. I love it. And so it'd be nice to see a Mesa Boogie version of a pedal that could do that. Could get me close to the Mesa Boogie uh, dual rack or triple rack or rack. <laughs>
just said wreck. All right. Yeah, you guys. I knew you guys were going to make fun of my sound effects. You know what? We're musicians. We talk in scatting. That's it. All right. Here's what we got. Next one is Ice Pick 19. Um, says, is there something similar to the Archon 25 that is less expensive? Absolutely. There's the uh, Tremonti app, the 15, the Tremonti uh, MT15, Mark Tremonti 15. Absolutely. Uh, I did a video doing a shootout with those two. I think I said it. In the, I know I said it in the video. In that video, I said, of the two amps, I preferred the Archons Clean a little better, like a little. Okay. Um, and and so when I say a little, I mean, I don't even know how much that was placebo. You know, the other one's more expensive. Maybe it just sounds better. But I felt like it was better. And I like the distortion a little better, a little better <laughs> than the than the mt15 um and so i kept my archon and i sold my mt15 but i also very clearly and hopefully uh explained it in that video and if i didn't i'm i i've explained it now my archon 50 that i currently have that i love i paid 700 ish dollars for i don't remember the exact amount but it was in the 700 and when i did the review of it i explained the whole thing i bought it used i got it for 700 bucks I wasn't going to sell it because I'll never be able to buy another one for 700 bucks. I believe my understanding is that Archons now are going to be made in China now. They're no longer made in the USA. They were assembled in the USA for mostly import parts, but I think they're going overseas is my understanding of them if they're not being canceled altogether, but I think they're just going overseas. So um, not that that's a big deal, but now I have, you know, one of the older Archons and it's cool and but if you don't have the scratch or don't want to spend the crazy money for the Archon 25, yeah, get the MT-15. The only thing I can tell you that makes the Archon, in my opinion, better than the MT-15, like I said, I preferred those distortions cleans a little bit more than the MT-15. Again, little, little teeny bit. Um, if that, the only thing that makes it better is the Archon can get quieter. I can turn the distortion on the Archon down to no, almost whisper and get great tones. The MT-15's got that just off and then it's kicking you in the face a little bit, but it has an effects loop. Put a uh, one of those JHS volume pedals or just, you know, you can buy one of the knockoff ones, you know, but for 50 bucks, buy the JHS one. It's better. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Or make when you're, you know, make one yourself for five bucks or buy the JHS pedal. I use the JHS one. Um, put that in the effects loop and uh, that turns that into the master volume of the amp and you'll get great tones out of the MT-15. So, like I said, if it didn't, for that one circumstance with the Archon, I think I would have just owned the MT-15. I'm not old. I am vintage. I know. I We, we know who that is. Uh, it says, for anyone seriously considering ordering a new 2021 PRS Studio, uh, I've never owned a PRS Core, so is it worth the extra money for a tin top? So he's asking everyone, so everybody, you could just please put in your two cents too as well, because it's nice to get a community uh, average, you know what I mean, what everybody thinks. I personally, uh, no. I can't do it. I've said this before. I own one PRS with a tin top. I did not pay for that tin top. When I was a dealer, a customer wanted to know if they had a Rize Verde and a Custom 24. And then I called PRS and they got back and they said, we don't have any in stock. We have a tin top. I told the customer. The customer didn't want to pay. It was like 300 or $500. I can't remember. It was nuts. Uh, now it's more nuts, like 600 bucks now. But it was like three to $500 for the tin top. I told the customer and they said no. I told PRS. I said, yeah. They said no. And PRS said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll actually sell it to you for non 10 top price. I tell the customer and they said, well, I think I'll hold off. And then I bought it. That's how I ended up when we reserve Verde. I said, well, I'm buying it. The 10 top thing is hard for me to pay for. It just is. The idea that I'm paying somebody to go out there and visually inspect something and then get me a good top. What I will tell you, I'm not old, I'm vintage is it doesn't even guarantee you a top. That's the thing that frustrates me. 
<laughs> without an R. That's the thing that frustrates me. If you need to be, if you're for OCD people that needs me here, say it that way. Frustrates. By the way, I figured this out. Nobody I know says frustrates. They say fuss uh, without an R. Anyways, uh, what frustrates me is that buying a tin top does not guarantee you a beautiful top. It's just a fact. In fact, uh, my tin top, a lot of people are like, I can't believe that's a tin top because they don't think it looks that great. So I wouldn't personally pay for the tin top unless, you know, money's just not your, you know, hey, I don't care. You got money. Do it. Do it. Me, I, I ordered my hollow body two last year. Non, or not ordered. Well, I bought it. Non-tin top. And then I feel okay. See, because here's why. And let me give you my logic. Let me give you logic too. Not just a, a recommendation, but their logic behind it. The reason why I don't pay for a tin top or don't want a tin top is I know my personality. If I paid $600 for a guitar to have a beautiful top and it didn't, I would just go nuts. I would just think about the $600 and how it could be tires for the car or, you know, I could fix, you know, the, the thing in the backyard <laughs> would be like, I would be just thinking about all the things I could do with that money. You know what I mean? Uh, college tuition fund, you know, adding to that, just all the things I could do with that money. However, if I got a non-tin top and it looked gorgeous, I'd be like, score, I just got ahead 600 bucks. But if I got a non-tin top and it wasn't great, I'd be like, well, at least I didn't pay for it. That's why. And I, as, as a PRS dealer, because again, I'm not just a guitar buyer and stuff and a repair guy. I was a dealer for PRS for 10 years of the 12 years, 13 years the store was open, uh, 10 years. I would say on average... As much as it pains me to say this publicly, I'd say half the PRSs that were 10 tops were good. And I'm being nice because I want to be nice today. Let's just put it this way. I saw more faces like this than any other face when I go, here's your 10 top guitar and open the case that you ordered that you have to pay for because you're stuck with it because you custom ordered it. And they go, oh yeah, that top's nice. Yeah, Sean Brooks says, hey, PRS cores go for used for $2,500 whether 10 top or not. No, you don't get no money for 10 top, man. You get no money for 10 top. Yeah, you'll never get that money back. By the way, the hollow body too that I bought, if you buy a hollow body because it's got dual maple caps, the 10 top's like 1200 bucks because you got to buy both sides. I love PRS, as you guys know, but I also have no problem calling them on their shenanigans. That's shenanigans. That's nuts. Their whole 10 top thing is kind of a weird thing, but he's explained the story and his explanation of it makes sense why they do it. It's just not my thing. James says 10 top is a con. See, here's why I can't call it that because all they're doing, and this is the important part, 10 top, this is not what they're saying. I'm telling you this, this is my opinion. So it's, again, it's important because, you know, I don't want to say that I knew I, sometimes I do know secret stuff. <laughs> This is not the case. I don't know any secret information. I'm giving you my opinion. Um, a 10 top does not guarantee you a beautiful top. That's my personal opinion. And I really believe that. And here's why it doesn't. That's why I don't think it's a con. It guarantees you the best top of what they have when they pick the top. I've said, I like this analogy. I've used it many times. If you went into the grocery store and you told the gro the uh, produce manager, pick me out three beautiful apples and he brought them to you and you go, well, this has a soft dent in it. And this one's a little browning on the side. But if you looked at the the bushel and it was all crap, it was the best of what they had. So that's why I, that's why my theory is sometimes when you buy a non-tin top, it's gorgeous because maybe if they get a bunch of tops and they're all gorgeous, well, then everybody gets a tin top. It's like the Oprah of, it's like Paul Reed Smith's out there like Oprah, like you get a tin top and you get a tin top and you get a tin top. And then the next batch of wood, it's not so great. And so maybe two or three of the tin tops are good. And then the rest of it are like kind of average, but they're better than the, the non-tin tops. That's the information. Now do with it what you will. Buy the tin top or not. But I'm an old on vintage. If you buy a studio, let me know what you did because <laughs> I'm curious.
Uh, so you guys know I did a contest where we gave away two air step pedals. Um, I picked the winners today from the it's a King Sumo is the it's a random randomizer website where I can you guys do it and then I push a button and it tells me who won. And um, and the winner of the light pedal uh, has responded. And so uh, that's Branco. Branco uh, won the light pedal in Ohio. So he's getting the light pedal. I have not heard back from the winner of the uh, the uh, air step non-light version, the more premium pedal. And uh, if I don't hear anything within 24 to 40 hours, I'll randomize, pick another one, and then I'll put them on the, the comments of that video. Um, so it's cool. I thought about doing it live, but my experience with these uh, giveaways is it's really hard to get people to respond when they win because, and I, and I, I please don't do this guys. Um, a lot of times when I send you guys, you know, Hey, you won. I got to watch how I verb it in the comment section or the, the subject line and stuff, because your spam filters. So you see like win sweepstakes, congratulations. And they filter that. And then my email goes in spam and you never know you get you won. And so what I'm saying, don't, don't turn off your spam filters. Those are important. But, um, I, so I do my best, but I think sometimes that's what happens. It goes in spam filters. Okay. Mr. Fancy hands. Hey, Mr. Fancy hands. It says, I noticed a pair of personas heiress in your last video. Do you rate these speakers highly? Also, Cheapest gigging quality looper. Uh, love your channel, man. Oh, okay, great. Uh, thank you for the compliment. Uh, yeah, the Presona speakers are, I had the KRKs and I thought they were too low indie. And I don't know why. I could have, I could have been, uh, obviously they could have been doing something wrong. <laughs> I obviously own up for that. Um, but it just wasn't, uh, and it's really important to me. Studio monitors are a different world for me. I'm, I'm mixing, talk about a weird world. <laughs> My goal when I'm mixing a video is to do two things. One, to give you guys the best sound of what I thought it sounded like in the room, whether that was good or bad. And I don't tell you, I let you guys decide that. So sometimes people are like, that sounded bad. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't say it didn't. <laughs> I just, I just reviewed the product and put out the way I thought it sounded in the room. Um, and, uh, so I try to give you guys the, the closest to where I think it sounds like the product sounds like, and I know some of that's me, the way I play and all that stuff, but you get the idea. And so that's one. And the second thing I got to do is I'm trying to mix the mix so that when you hear it on a cell phone, cause that's the hardest thing about YouTube. Now I got to mix something so that when you half you guys are listening on a cell phone, half you guys are listening on computers. It's about the range, right? And there's tablets mixed in there too, but um, and you know, and if you got a cell phone, you're like, Phil, it's really tinny. And then you, and then if I make it not tinny, then you guys go, man, it's really bassy because you're on your computer. So I, I was looking for a monitor that would do that. I did the personas, but let me tell you why I did the personas monitors. It was only based on a logic that that um, I've used in the past that served me well, which is buying like brands. You know, a lot of times when brands you you know develop product, they use their own product to develop it. So in this case, I have a personas AR eight, uh, USB it's personas mixer. This is for podcasting or you can use it for podcasting. So what you're listening to right now is a uh, personas. I, um, I, uh, I needed it for some podcasts I did where I had multiple mics and stuff. So I, I got this personas mixer, uh, a, a studio mixer. I like it. It's also portable, uh, like my, um, a H six from zoom was, which is why I like that. Cause you can use the SD card. And so when I was looking for some monitors, I thought, well, why don't I just buy some personas? Because again, you know, obviously the guys at personas probably used these monitors or monitors like this when they were building the mixer and vice versa. So that's why I use it. So that's my very long way to say that's how much thought I put into it. I thought I would mix. Uh, I like them. 
again, it's it's kind of a necessity thing. It's not really a joy for me. It's not like I'm like, I love the way they sound. It's like, yeah, they, they do the job that I need them to do. BB Ninja says, that's exactly why you have need two pairs of studio monitors. Actually, so you guys know, I, I, I shouldn't tell you guys this. I, not like I think it's that cool of a secret. I actually built a studio monitor out of an old phone. So believe it or not, when I mix my mixes, uh, I listen through the Personas um, speakers. Then I mix again using my computer. And then I mix again out into a phone that I'm listening to that's not a phone anymore. It's just a speaker out of a phone. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I told Dave Freeman that once and I thought he looked at me. We were drinking a little bit, too, at, in the bar. But anyways, uh, Dave Freeman, he was, like, he was asking me about that. He's like, hey, you know, you get a lot of complaints, you know, about where you mix, in, you know, your sounds and your recordings. Because, you know, he was talking about Freeman amps gets, you know, grief, too. And I said, I said, yeah, I said, but I figure most people are listening on their phone. So I always make sure I mix through my phone speaker. And he was like, how do you do that? And I said, I took an old phone and just built it in, filled it up with epoxy and built a speaker. And so I just listened to like a speaker that's my phone <laughs> so yeah that's how i mix and it serves me well and every once in a while every single time i don't do it because i'll get lazy and i'll go ah, i don't run it through the speed the phone speaker you guys will go oh it's this or that and i go yeah i should have i should have mixed with using the phone speaker the magic trick of a youtube review is making sure you listen to your review through a phone speaker ah that was dumb <laughs> sometimes i'm like here's my secret information and i go it's not probably not that cool um uh, there was another question the other question uh from mr fancy hands was the cheapest gigging quality looper i feel like most of the loopers are quality are gigging gig quality loopers what i will tell you about a gigging looper is is if is stay away from the ones that uh if you really for gigging okay keep uh you want the looper to uh, be dumbed down as much as possible, unless you're literally just the only person doing it. It's just you. You're like a one man band with your looper and you need this multi-track looper and stuff. Um, the thing I will tell you is that, uh, most players, the whole double stop, you know, when you use a looper, like a ditto and stuff, you got to, you know, start, stop, and then double stop, you know, you don't want that. You want some kind of two foot uh, button switch, um, dedicated so that you don't have to think about it. The more you have to look down and think the the more you're losing track of what's going on in the live performance. So, uh, I would make sure you get a, a quality looper like that. Um, so, I mean, I use the RC one by boss and the external push, uh, button foot switch. And I think it works fantastic, but any of those work fine. Loopers for the most part are all about practice, man. Every, I love it. Everyone I've used every kind of looper. I've never had a problem with like any of them. And everybody goes, Oh, they're really, this one's broken or this one sucks. And I go, it's just, it's just a weird thing. It's an unintuitive thing for a lot of players. Uh, this is game from Josh. Josh says Fender just increased their prices on most of their models. What are your thoughts? That is exactly uh, what I was talking about today. I was on a conference call today, and it was about prices, not with Fender, of course, but with uh, some companies talking about uh, prices increases and stuff. And yeah, it's yeah, we, we, we talked about this. I just said it. I just said it a couple weeks ago when I said I, I went to the Nam uh, virtual Nam, and I said. This is the end of cheap guitars. Look, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Glary, Harley Benton. Sure, of course. Will there be guitars for 100 bucks? Yeah. But let me tell you, the days of brand names having, a, I mean, cheap guitars, those days, are they're not over. They're just gone for a while. Um, there's no incentive for them. Uh, right now, as we speak, Squires are barely filling in from from 
from months and months and months of backordered dealers. And I say barely. They're not even getting their full orders. Um, Fender can't add dealers because they can't support the the ones they have currently. Everybody's buying guitars. And until this, until this supply-demand thing aligns, you know what I mean, which we all know uh, is the problem right now, uh, then inflation is already a thing that was already happening. Think about this. Inflation was happening before COVID. You know what I mean? It was already it was already happening, and uh, in our industry, the thing that's kept prices low is the low demand. You know, there's a reason why. Um, I saw Andy Mooney, uh, the president of Fender, when he was saying, "Well, a few years ago, when the was it the Washington Post." I think it was a Washington Post when they did the death of the electric guitar. He was saying, oh, you know, we had the best year last year ever and they could suck it. I'm paraphrasing. And <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, but when that when that article came out, the industry was not hurting, but it wasn't booming. I mean, so I'm not saying the article was right. Actually, I'm in that article saying the article wasn't right at that time. <laughs> but uh, it's it's this is this art, this boom right now of this. The pandemic thing has ca- created a guitar boom. That's for sure. So is that going to add to the cost of the inflation? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So I'm not shocked. Everything's going to be slowly going up. Marshall did it too. So you guys see, so, you know, uh, Marshall amps just did it too. They, 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 they ran up their prices about a hundred bucks per amp and a hundred bucks per cabinet. Uh, a lot of people are, are, um, raising the price and, uh, that's going to happen. So what do I think about it? Uh, like everybody, I don't want to spend more. <laughs> I want to meet that person. I can't wait to pay more. I get the same, but I get to pay more. Um, yeah, so it sucks. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, this is a true story. I, I, it just happened. On uh, January 31st, I bought a Plexi, a 1987 Plexi from Sam Ash in Glendale. I bought it because I... I I, play, I was in the store. I played it. I loved it. And I knew that tomorrow, January 1st, did I say January 31st? I meant December 31st. I apologize. December 31st. January 1st, they were raising the prices 100 bucks. So I already knew it was going up. So I might as well get it. So um, Big Bass, I want to hit on this subject because this is something usually guys have some feedback on. Big Bass Brian, or Big Bass Brian, depends on, this is, this is a gear channel. So we'll say bass. Big Bass Brian says in five years, these prices will deflate and deflate and the used market will be a buyer's market. Uh, I don't think it'll be five years. I, I really think it's going to be, I, I said, when I said uh, there'll be an influx of used guitars, my theory, uh, like a lot of people is, it's not so much a date or a time or a year. The first, it'll be a slow, it'll be a slow boil back the other way as the COVID thing recedes um, and people get out of their houses more. Look, guitar is a perfect tool for staying in your house. It just is. You know what I mean? It's, playing your instrument at home is just a thing. And uh, and pent-up guitar players who like to buy a ton of guitars are just literally going crazy right now. That's part of it too. So, um, yeah. We'll, but here's the thing. I agree. There'll be used guitars and the prices will come down and things will come back down. The problem is, and this is where I get, again, I don't want to turn the guitar into a, sp- a stock market. It's a nightmare to think about this stuff and make yourself, give yourself a headache. Have fun. Buy what you want when you can afford it and you want it. That's as easy as it gets. That being said, <laughs> some stuff will come down and some stuff won't. And again, I can only give my theories, but I'm always a little, you know, concerned because, you know, I can do a video like this and 50,000 people can see it. And now I'm kind of pushing an idea out that 
I don't want out there uh, per se because I don't want to. I don't want to give you guys the wrong false impressions of something I, that I know something. I don't know anything about what I'm about to say, but I just want to tell you. I think what we're going to see is exactly that. You'll see a used market come back a little bit. Prices will kind of level out or come down on the used product market. The new stuff is just you know there'll be deals when the market makes it easier. There'll be deals, but the prices don't come down. There'll just be deals on the prices that are, you know. Um, but that being said. Some stuff I don't think is going to come down. Um, and uh, and here's why. I think it's because a lot of companies are learning new ways to do stuff. So if you're speculating what I mean by that, I mean American-made guitars, U.S.-made guitars. They're not going to come down very much in the used market because I think everybody's going to start holding on to them. All right, JJ, here's a great segue. It says, thoughts on the new BC Rich? Um, I know they're made in the world manufacturing uh, world manufacturer in Korea. Uh, I have not physically put my hands on any of them. Um, they're one of those brands that kind of feel like vaporware to me. I see pictures of them. I don't see anybody with them. I watched a couple YouTube channels that I feel horrible that I can't name because I can't remember the names, but because, you know, they were small channels and I, I really enjoyed their videos. Um, and it makes it easy. They're probably the only ones still to have anything up on the new beast riches. Uh, and you know, they liked them and I seem excited about that, but literally have not put my hands on any of them. And, uh, literally, uh, JJ, you're the only the second or third person to ask me about them. So it's not something that's been pressing for me to find out any information about. JJ says, is PB returning to the USA soon? I haven't heard anything about that. I know they were doing those, uh, H2s or whatever. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, man, I, I, I don't even give PB a thought anymore. I hate to say it. They're just, I have my PB Wolfgang right there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that I love. And, um, you know, I highly recommend buying old PV USA guitars and amps, uh, especially on short money when you can get them really cheap. You can still get a lot of USA made amps and guitars from PV for a lot better price than you get other stuff that's not as good or just as good. I could be totally wrong. I feel like they haven't put out a product in five years. Maybe the Misha amp. That's it. Other than that, I haven't seen anything for years from them. Phil, have you had any experience with first act guitars, especially the custom shop ones? They really had a moment in the 2000s. They did. Did they give away one of those too with like a John Mayer Volkswagen or something? And then didn't Slash play one in a Volkswagen commercial? Am I remembering that right? Uh, I did. I played like two of those high-end first act guitars. They were cool. They were just weird. It was weird. <laughs> did anyone else not find that weird? <laughs> I remember thinking this is the weirdest thing ever when they came up with the idea um there was some kind of like luthery school and then they were building them at some shop and i don't even remember the details i just remember the whole thing was weird obviously here's why it was like it was like literally mcdonald's going hey we're gonna start making you know f fine dining and the weirdest also what was really strange was this idea that you if you just made a nicer guitar with your sub brand brand that would make sense to people. Like they would, hey, if you make a good guitar, they come. I'm like, no, you have a horrible brand associated to it. Horrible meaning it's associated with beginner, not even beginner guitars. First X, not even a beginner guitars. It's beginner like kazoos and, <laughs> and recorders and and uh, and drums <laughs> and keyboards. Like it's it's the grocery store brand, right? So it's w weird. It was a weird thing. Um, so all that being said, that's just my assessment of that. The guitars were great. I played two of them and I thought they were fantastic. There you go. And if you could buy them for nothing, that'd be fantastic because you'd have a great guitar for 
low price. So on that note, hopefully you didn't buy one very expensive. If you did, tell me I'm wrong and you love it, which I think you will, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll move on. We can still be friends after that. Brad Guitar Miller said, uh, pre-ordered a Zach Meyer SE since it was on back order. Figured I had to time to recover from custom shop purchase, except uh, SW got one in, oh, uh, Sweetwater uh, got one in and I have no willpower. <laughs> The, uh, the Zach Myers SE is awesome. Um, I'm really sad to see that one go. It's really, really cool. That was, um, that Zach Myers SE is my favorite SE I've played so far to date. And I really like the 2408. Um, and I really like the, uh, semi hollow body too. I really did. But the Zach Myers, like it was cool. That chunky neck's a little strange cause it's chunky, but it was, man, it was such a good guitar. Um, but yeah. And beautiful. Uh, even my wife's like, can we keep that one? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, Litve says, arch top bridge on a thin line jazz guitar. Um, okay. Sliding around when I do big bluesy bends. Any recommendations to stabilize? Sure. If you have an arch top guitar with a, a bridge that, um, that sits on it, uh, usually, and you're going to use some kind of tremolo. That's what I'm getting from this, right? Oh, you're just doing bends. Okay. So bends, uh, yeah, you want to pin it. It's a very easy process to do to pin a bridge. Um, you can be lazy and cheap and double stick it down with double sticky tape. So you want to use really thin, thin double stick tape that works. It'll get you 75% of the way. It works great. Otherwise I would pin it. Pinning it is super easy. All you do to pin a bridge is I put a strip of painter's tape down on, on the guitar where the bridge is, put the bridge down, set the intonations to the bridge in the right spot. I trace out the tape. <laughs> okay. Pull a bridge off real quick, drill the two holes for the pins, install the pins, peel the tape off and stick it to the bottom of the bridge and drill those holes. And it takes me about five, 10 minutes to pin a bridge. And I just said that out loud. And I'm pretty sure I charge like 50 bucks to do that with the setup and everything. So I got ah, with, well, it's fair. Okay. I think I, I was going to say, do I, that, that's, I made that sound really easy. It is easy now that you know that trick. <laughs> okay. Uh, old man Fran says, uh, Thursday surprise, uh, Opinion on rail hammer pickups. Uh, I don't have an opinion on rail hammer pickups. I think we talked about this before. Somebody asked me about them and it's one of those things. I think I, I think I played some, but I just don't have, you know, nothing comes to, to memory about them. Uh, Mitchell says thoughts on the small 10 watt black star ID core. I want something small to use without headphones next to the computer. It will work fantastic. Uh, for the price, I personally, that's why I, when I did the review, I did the 20 watt because I wanted something in the center to, to, to do the video on. Um, really, to me, the Blackstar ID Core stuff to, is is the affordable version of the Yamahas and the Spark, right? So yeah, for $129, and assuming you don't get a 10% coupon somewhere, some kind of discount, uh, for that price point, I think you'd be totally happy. Um, the great thing about them is the 10 watt is going to do everything you need and and uh, perfectly put on a like a desktop. Fantastic, you you're you're good to go. I think you'd be totally happy. Uh, Stat Magic did a super chat for no reason. Wow, 20 25 bucks. Thank you, Stat Magic. I appreciate that. That's a that's a hefty, hefty super chat. I feel like I should answer uh, your question that you don't have. Well, let me answer someone else's question. Let me find someone. It's like that's uh, we were doing that for a while and I stopped. Which is when you did super chats with no question, 
I would just find a non super chat question, make sure to get more of those through. Hey, Leonardo, how's it going, buddy? He says, I have an Ibanez micro Paul Gilbert. If you would, uh, if, if you would sharpen this ax, what would you change? Is it easy to craft a new nut for a beginner? I don't think I could find one with this, uh, this measure to order. Um, yeah, you could you shape a new nut out of it. I don't think I would worry about that on that guitar. So on the on the Paul, if I had a Paul Gilbert micro, what would I do to it? I know it's a sharp my axe question, but what would I mod on it? What would I do? Um, here's what I would mod. I would in in this order. This is the order in which I would modify things. So if you do all these things, great. If you don't do them, just the, in the order of importance is how I do it. First thing I would do is change the strings to thicker gauge strings i've i did a video on how to set up a short scale guitar video it did pretty well and in that video i explained that my complaint and i've told every manufacturer this since then and every manufacturer i talk to i say this i have no idea why they put small strings on a small guitar it makes no sense whatsoever now i know paul gilbert shows you how he bends them like woo and does this stuff but realistically this is usually the logic follow the logic right most guitar players, again, we're talking about the average guitar player. You know, everybody's got, there's outliers all out there, you know, difference. But average guitar player will play like nines on a Strat, tens on a Les Paul. The scale of the guitar is a little shorter. The strings get a little bigger. Uh, same thing with down tuning, right? Down tune the guitar, get bigger strings. Okay, that usually works. Now, if you're talking about extended scale guitars, usually you're talking about down tune as well. So that being said, if you were going to put tens on a normal 25 and a half inch scale uh, uh, uh Ibanez, you wouldn't put tens on the mini Ibanez, right? That doesn't make sense. You would put bigger ones. So if you play nines on a full size Ibanez, I would put tens on the mini. You play tens on the full size Ibanez, I'd put elevens on the mini. I actually like elevens on the minis. The first instinct is when, especially for you know young players, they're like, oh, well, those big strings are hard to play. No, they're going to feel like normal. <laughs> they're going to feel normal and they're going to intonate better and tune better. Because again, the sloppier the string gets, the more problematic everything gets. Right. So first thing I would do is change the strings to the to a better gauge. Go tens or elevens or some kind of hybrids on those. I uh, and whatever I said. If you want to watch that video I put out, whatever I suggest in that video too is uh, probably what I'm saying now. But if not, it's it's better information because it was in real time what I was doing. Um, then on that guitar, I would probably change out the pickups. Just because. <laughs> Why not? Uh, if you want to upgrade stuff, right? I would put some cool DiMaggio's in there. Uh, that thing would play great. Uh, make sure the frets are polished and uh, and then make sure the nut is cut correctly. And I really should do that out of order. The nut cut correctly is probably more important than the pickups, obviously. But So strings, make sure the nut's cut correctly. Um, you could put a new nut on it. Obviously won't hurt. I'll only approve it, improve it. But a guitar like that it's okay to be a little basic. Okay. That guitar is got a purpose. You're probably using it for travel or for fun, or unless you're doing this, the Paul Gilbert three E string thing or something, uh, I would just, uh, do that. But like I said, super easy. So, uh, polish the nut, make sure the slots are cut correctly is what I mean. And, uh, uh, new strings. Then I would put some cool pickups in it. I put locking keys on a mini guitar and I kind of, I won't say I regret it, but you'll find that once you restring a mini guitar, it's pretty much done. <laughs> You kind of restring it and you'd be lucky to change those strings once a year because, uh, you know, you play them, they're fun. It's a fun guitar. It's a fun price point. It's fun to have, but it's not something you'll pick up every time and play. Eddie says, Hey Phil, have you heard anything about the music nomad files? Uh, they're not out yet. I have not. I've seen them, the little yellow ones, they're nut files on like 200 bucks. Music nomad reached out to me into December, mid December and asked me if I was interested in checking out their new setup kit. And I let them know that I would be willing to do a video talking about it and going over it, but I'd like 
to get my hands on some other stuff to make other videos. This is a, a what I've been trying to kind of come at companies lately more and more with. I know you want me to make this video for this product and show it to the audience. I have no problem doing that, but it would be really nice in this reciprocal arrangement if we could then do a couple things that I think is interesting or like you guys have asked that are interesting. The last communication seemed very positive, but again, it was end of year and so we, we penned it. So maybe I'll go back to it. Phil, how did learning the bass affect your learning guitar? Well, it's backwards. I started on guitar for a brief minute, then I switched to bass and then I lived on bass forever. And, and the bass thing for me was, I've, I've told this story, I think last week about how I became a bass player, right? Like most bass players by default, band needed a bass player. I was a guitar player. I became a bass player. What I didn't probably tell you guys is how I stayed a bass player for so long. How I stayed a bass player was I was broke. So I sold my guitars to become a bass player. And then uh, being in a band broke and just being broke in general, I, uh, and I was living at one point I was living in my truck. Like, like it's not even, actually, I'll tell you, I was living in my truck with expired tags. I used to have to park under this bridge. <laughs> I lived in a truck under a bridge. This is true. I, I, it's, you know, not every part of your life is glamorous. And then what ended up happening short while after that, I uh, joined the army. <laughs> As I said, that's what you do, right? You know, when you're like, I, I've told this story before, when you're siphoning, siphoning gas out of a car that doesn't run to put it in the car, that doesn't run. You're, 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 you're not doing so great. Uh, you, you know, you, you've got to find an opportunity. And I, I was lucky enough to find that opportunity. Um, but that being said, I did what some, some soldiers, or many of them have done. I sold all my belongings, um, and joined. Okay. That's just, you know, what you do, right? So you have money. When I was in the service and then when I got out of the service, I never had money for the guitar. I had, I kept a bass. So I had a bass. So I didn't have a guitar. And then finally the woman I married, uh, who, who's amazing. She bought me a guitar again. So that's how I ended up with a guitar again. She bought me a guitar. And, uh, but mostly all that time I just had a bass. So I played bass for many, many years with no guitars because that's all I had. I had the one bass. And then, uh, and then, so how did it affect, I, did not, I know that's not what you asked me, but it's <laughs> how did it affect the way I learned guitar, especially coming back to guitar? It really affected me because um, to, to really put perspective on things, I didn't really even mess with the guitar very much until I opened a guitar store. Uh, I, I, if you watch the timeline of what I've said in the past is, you know, you got to understand, I was building basses, selling basses through a long, very long story ended up opening a guitar store and then of course uh you know selling guitars to customers demoing guitars you know i you know which became more predominant in my life like doing youtube videos now playing guitar more and more because of the my job which was at the time the store and repairing guitars and then of course you know like doing youtube videos um so how did it affect me i think it made me uh a better guitar player although that's a hard thing to say because but it's, I feel like it did. I feel like, I feel like I, I feel overall like it improved my situation. I feel, I think there's a lot of things the bass did for me that I really like. So it, it really, and here's why, um, it, and, and, and that's what I want to do. I don't want to just tell you like, oh, it made things better. Let me tell you why, how the bass made things better. The bass playing bass, being a bass player taught me that, um, you can be a dumb guitar player please bear with me until I get to this point <laughs> before when I was playing guitar, when I switched to bass 
everything was about how I didn't do on guitar. Like I didn't play like guys like Pete Thorne. I didn't play like guys like RJ Rinkilio. I didn't play like, you know, Phil X's. I wasn't that great of a guitar player. So everything was like, I got to get better. 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 And then when I took on bass, I did the same logic. I got to get better. I got to get better. Slap and pop and tap. And, and then you realize real fast, unlike guitar players, which not entirely, but you get the idea. Unlike guitar players, bass players that can play really well are a pain in the ass in a band. Nobody wants a good guitar player. The joke I always say is if a bass player shows up for audition with anything more than a P bass, they have too much ambition. Don't don't hire that guy. Um, you want a bass player who's just going to play in the pocket and play the straight stuff. For most bands, to please, you know, if you're in a band and you're like, no, we absolutely need the best bass player ever. Good for you. <laughs> That's why Flea has a gig, okay? But the average bass player in a band is the Michael Anthony's. It's the guys who basically hold it down for the rest of the band. And so what, what happened was that was years of that playing in bands as a bass player taught me everyone else is the show. I'm just the support. And so now as a guitar player, that's why I said, I'm not really great at soloing. I'm not really great as a virtuoso kind of guitar playing. Cause it's not something that appeals to me. I'm more of a, yeah, this is what I need to know and do to play with my friends, to play at a jam night. This is how I, you know, uh, think of this when, uh, in, when I did that event where I paid, played the, you know, thousand bass or a thousand, you know, musicians played in front of 26,000 people. We did that event. That was all dumbed down basic stuff that I think not so much that, you know, obviously being a better guitar player would have made it easier, but it was that thing that it's like, I understood, I don't need to be the best to be part of this giant thing that's going to play in front of 26,000 people. And it really kind of centered me. So bass playing as a whole has centered me to understand for me, guitar does not have to be complicated. <laughs> okay. By the way, um, sometimes in comments and videos, somebody's like, Oh, why is he playing open chords? Or why did he do this? And they're like, well, and I'm like, well, because I'm just showing you the guitar. I want the guitar to be the star of the show in my videos. I don't need me to be the star of the show. I'm not trying to dazzle you. Sometimes I get comments like, man, your playing's really improved. And it's because sometimes the comments are such that I go, you know, they're like, their critique is that I'm not playing enough and then I play a little bit more and then people go, oh, that's much better. But ultimately I get a little weary of that because I want the guitar, the amp, the pedal to be the star. I want you to, that's what you're watching the video for. You're watching the video to see if you like this pedal or it's interesting or this guitar is interesting. You don't need me. <laughs> you know, you know, if you want to listen to great guitar playing, well, listen to a great guitar player. <laughs> You're supposed to be watching my channel to see what's interesting products or gear or things we're, we're talking about. Or so, so James, to answer your question. I think I, I did, which is I think uh, uh, being a bass player uh, let me understand that you can be a dumb guitar player. It's okay. The world needs them. Bands need them. They're they're useful. Maybe dumb is not the right word. Average guitar player. Maybe that's better than dumb. Shouldn't call. You know, I don't know. That's, I hope that makes sense. Uh, Brad Coleman says, if anyone's shopping on Reverb got a full, wait, if anyone shopping on Reverb got a full professional video of their guitar being modded, they would absolutely pay premium to cover the labor. So he's talking about when we were talking about earlier about the sharp of my axes and stuff. Yeah, I look, I'm very aware. I'm not dumb. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I am dumb. I'm a dumb guitar player. I just said it. No, I said, I'm very, uh, thank you, Brad, but I, I'm very aware that I can get top dollar for the products. What I'm trying to say is I'm trying not to do that. You know what I mean? Um, you, you know, I'm trying to find a spot where I recoup the money, 
you guys get good value. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a, I'm always looking for the win-win thing for people. I think most people are like this. I do. You know, we feel like, you feel like you meet a lot of assholes when you, when you walk around every day. It just feels like there's abundance of them. And just like me, I feel like the abundance of comments are negative. But when you really look at it, you got to, re, again, recenter. I'm using that term again. You got to remember like the majority of people are not. Okay, Sean Brooks. Here's his question. Sean Brooks says, Phil recently bought a Tone King Gremlin. Absolutely love it. I'm surprised they do not get more attention. Why do you think that is? In 2020, COVID, uh, in the beginning of COVID in January, I was asked to go to an event at basically boutique amps, which is Tone King amps. And uh, I, you saw those videos. I did one with Mike Saldano and Brian Wampler and Steve Vai. And uh, they said, let's build a, a Tone King amp. You know, I get to pick the colors and stuff and we get the review on the channel and I get to, you know, I get to use it and have it on the channel, keep it and stuff. And uh, obviously COVID happened. So it's pushed that back. So to answer your question, Sean, um, I thought I was getting one on the channel, but COVID's kind of really messed that up and it's pushed that back. And so uh, once that all gets resolved, I'm sure it will show up one day and then I will, I will do videos on it and we'll try to get some attention on that brand. But so, you know, the one I played, the one I ordered is oh, so good. <laughs> so good. And it's the worst. It's the double-edged sword, so you guys know. Here's the double-edged sword. Uh, I did some... I, I, they said they're going to send it out. Obviously, COVID happened. I liked it so much, I, I would have just bought one. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to buy something that somebody's going to probably send out eventually. So that's why. So that so to answer your question, I haven't been pushing them or talking about them because I'm waiting for the one they're going to ship. Uh, Mr. Fancy Hand said, also wanted to do a second super chat after hearing your Sharpen Max plan. You're a truly unbiased source of information. I really appreciate that compliment, but I really love this subject. I am not unbiased. And I love it what you mean by this. So let me tell you what he means. He th He's saying I'm honest. I really feel like I'm being honest. Uh, I feel that way because one, I'm being honest, but also I've paid the price. Uh, you know, like all these YouTubers, I should put myself on the cross right now and be like, yeah, woe is me. But I mean, hey, man, there are some people in this industry that I love and look up to and I've had them tell me off. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. You can sit there and say I'm whining. It's probably is whining. But Jesus, it, it's it's a kick in the in the crotch. You know what I mean? When you're like, all I meant to say was, you know, you can improve this. <laughs> Or I wanted the, you know, the, the audience to know what they should expect if they bought it. And now this person's pissed at me and hates me. It kind of sucks. That's honesty. Biasness and unbiased is the thing, is the thing I don't think we get confused. I have biases. That's why I want you guys to know what they are. I want you to know what my bias is. That's why I say, hey, my good friends at so-and-so gave me this thing to talk to you about today. I don't say that for any other reason. Well, one, to be kind and th thank them, but also let you guys know, heads up. I like these people. I'm probably going to tell you the truth up until not insulting them in their face. Why? Not because they paid me, but because they're my friends. Who you guys insulting your, well, besides busting people's chops, don't, I don't insult my friends. Um, Lawrence Petros, I've done his review of his pedals many times. Every video I've said, he's my friend. We go to lunch together. I always say this. The great thing about that is knowing the bias. He is my friend, but we became friends because we met and I liked his pedal. I bought his pedal. I liked it and we became friends. I think that's great for you guys to know that. I like his product legitimately and we became friends. Now that you know that, wait your decision on what I say based on that information. 
if you find that I you can you feel like Phil can't honestly tell me he hates it if he's friends with that guy. Well, if you feel that way, I understand, and I hope you factor that in. Factor everything I everything I say into your decisions, right? Uh, and like I said, it's uh, it's not hard to figure out. So um, I appreciate the compliment, and like I said, but I always like to kind of hit this subject pretty hard. I really think. The whole bias thing is not so much a factor for most people. Everyone's biased. It's just, are they telling you what the bias is? That's the honesty, telling you the bias or telling you the the bias when it's negative. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've said that too in a video. Like, hey, I'm not really into this type of guitar, but here's how it goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now you know. You're like, okay, great. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I just want to say this. I, it's one of my favorite things that somebody says to me. They're like, I'm, I'll, you'll say, Hey, I'm thinking about trying this restaurant. And they go, well, I really don't like Cajun food. And I went there and it was okay. Or it was not very good. Knowing that they don't like Cajun food. It doesn't mean it, it lets you discount everything that they say after that. If they say something negative, then you understand that that negative could be part of that bias. If they say something positive, that actually gives it more weight. Cause you're like, wow, they don't even like Cajun food. And they liked it. That's how I try, I try to come across on everything I say is, is that not just, just to give you guys an insight in that. And by the way, anytime you guys see me on that, call me on it. Uh, tell me, <laughs> tell me, Phil, uh, you know, I, I'll just keep adjusting as we go. This is, this is the funnest gig I've, I've had, uh, doing this YouTube thing, hanging out with you guys. And, uh, I would love to say I don't want it to ever end. I don't know about that, <laughs> uh, uh, but I enjoy doing it and I, I, and I enjoy doing it for all the right reasons. And I hope you guys, uh, we can all keep each other honest because it, uh, it, uh, it's the tough gig, man. It's a tough world. Okay. Steven Turner, this isn't a question too, but it's, it's just something interesting. I'm curious. It says, I like how you are never pushing a product of yours. You are sort of like a consumer reports for guitar tech. Yeah. Yes. And no. Remember I do push product. I'm always like, remember my, my shirts. Um, uh, yeah, but I understand what you mean. Yeah. I, I'm trying to keep it, you know, low key, but you have to look, don't find the reason I would love to be on the bandwagon. I'm like, yeah, of course I don't push my product and think about the YouTubers that do. That's, that's not it, man. I, I got, this is sometimes it's, it, I'm using the the power that you're saying that I'm not out there pushing product to kind of re, uh, solidify what I'm about to say. Being a musician, whether that be a, a, a musician who plays on a stage, a studio musician, a musician on YouTube, an Instagram musician, someone who reviews gear, which is, you know, still a musician, <laughs> artistic form. It's an insane gig of uncertainty and high, extreme highs and extreme lows. And the reason I tell you that is they have to hawk stuff. You know, I've said this before. Look at you guys super chatting the crap out of me every week. Uh, I appreciate that. That's what fuels the fire of this. You know, you super chats, patrons, the dollars that I get from YouTube. It's all coming in, man. What do you think? It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's awesome. However, it's lots of little pennies and it works because of those reasons. I remind people like these are all the ways you can support what I do. So you're going to have to see that. You can't enjoy free YouTube <laughs> and not see people hawking their YouTube stuff. Um, it's just part of it. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I just wanted to point out the reason why I read your question is, although I appreciate the compliment to me, I don't want to ever want to denigrate or take away from the people that are out there hustling because really remember at the end of the day, even though we're all in the same, we're all the same. No one wants to watch a commercial, right? No one wants to go to a, a game and see bought, brought to you by Pepsi. No one wants to see the, the product placements in movies. That being said, 
it's getting harder and harder to survive doing an artistic uh, type of job. And you're going to see now. And the reason I got to tell you this is not only because it's a thing, it's going to get worse. You're going to see it more. It's going to happen more. It, you can't stop it. It's just how it is. Um, but, you know, I understand there's overdoing it too. <laughs> so again, I'm not trying, I'm, 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 I'm trying to bond with you on your point, but also see, uh, you know, relate the other side of this too. Uh, Steven's question is, he says, Hey, first, thanks for the tune ninja. Um, you're, you're welcome, buddy. He's the one who won it. I sent it out. Um, and I hope my wife sent stickers with that, but she told me she did. She's usually pretty like on it she says you know she says she did it she did it uh it says uh the question is do you epoxy a fretless fretboard on a on a base i have done that uh uh two or three times for customers so what he's talking about is it's a thing we used to do uh i don't i haven't done it in years the last time i did it was got to be at least 2008 because it's like you kind of remember things now as probably like what's going to have with covid i remember everything is like pre-recession post-recession and it's going to be pre-covid and post-covid isn't it nice that all the horrible crap that happens to us is the things we mark time with anyways uh so i haven't done one since like post during recession um and it's what it basically does you take a base you pull all the frets out of it um and then um, I use maple. So I, I use a, a saw. I clean out all the fret uh, slots, make them nice. Then I insert and, and glue in uh, pieces of maple strips of maple in there. Uh, they stick out a little bit. And then you kind of just plane them down, sand it, radius the fretboard. And then you spread epoxy over there. And then you kind of let it settle. And then you sand that and it harden the fretboard. Um, I find it was weird. It was like a thing we did forever. And then it just stopped. People stopped doing it. I don't I don't really have a whole lot of bass players asking me to make fretless bass anymore. And I think the reason is, and the reason Steven is the reason I'm talking about this this way is, I think the main reason is because you can buy a fretless bass for like a nickel. Once they made the uh, the fretless uh, uh, Squire bass and some of the Ibanez uh, fretless basses for like the 299 range new, that's usually what did it. Usually a lot of bass players did a fretless because it was like, okay, I want a fretless in the collection or I want to try and mess around with fretless. Uh, so the answer to the question is, do I epoxy the fretboard on a bass when I do a fretless? I used to, and then the last one I did, I didn't anymore. Uh, Bruce says, when are you going to get a FGN to review? I've got two and they're neoclassical Les Paul style and they are awesome guitars. I think more people should uh, know about them. Sure. This is what's great. That would be another brand uh, that I've talked about that I've heard for you guys talk about. And, uh, and now that something we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll address it. There's no more no's now on the channel for that stuff. So if you guys want me to review guitars, just keep reminding me that's the guitar you want me to check out, do a video. Most of them will turn into some kind of sharp Max because that's the way I think it's going to make sense, uh, feasibly to make sense, you know, that I can do a review, do a sharp Max video, sell the product off, recoup the money and churn it back again and keep these videos going. And, and the reason, like I said, it's just too hard. I've tried, you know, talking to companies. It's, it's weird. Uh, like I said, it's to some companies, I can make a phone call right now. And if I wanted a, you know, a nice guitar sent to me, uh, they'd just give it to me. They wouldn't even think about it. And that sounds like it's like, oh, look at me. But on that same notion, I can sit there and back and forth with a company, 16 emails just to get a $200 guitar sent out so I can borrow it so I can make a video and promote for their company. And it just makes your head hurt either way. You know what I mean? Um, and you can imagine you find yourself... Uh, I find myself, I don't want to accuse any YouTubers of anything I don't know anything about. I find myself slowly leaning into the, who's easy, <laughs> right? Um, I have a good friend and he said this thing, it's amazing and I love it. 
I said, why don't you call? I was giving him, I was asking him a question. Why don't you call them and ask them if they'll do it? And he says, you know why? Because I already know their first answer is a no. And I don't like dealing with anybody where their first answer is a no. He goes, because then it's just a fight after that. That's how it is in this industry. Some companies, it's a no and it's a yeah. And some companies are a fast yes and some companies are a fast no. And what I find is slowly I go, hey, everybody, another one of these on the channel. Why? Because that's the company that always gives me the fast yes. Can we check out one of these on the channel? Sure. Then meanwhile, I have you guys saying, hey, can't we check out some other stuff? And why don't you check out this? And why don't you do that? And I'm, so that's why I said I'm done with that. So if the companies are fast, no, I just we'll just buy it ourselves and do the videos. Done. Or not will. We did. Congratulations to us. So <laughs> uh, DWC says... Thanks to you, I just got a great deal on a new Gibson Les Paul Standard. Found the shop on Reverb and called them direct per your advice. Awesome deal. Always, always, always talk to somebody in person. Uh, all the guitars I bought for the, the videos coming up, I did exactly that. I reached out. You don't even have to talk. Like I said, talking is great. Phone call, person to person. I always said that will always be the best deal. But an email anyway, communicate with them. Um, you know what I did? I did what uh, any smart person in my position would do. I reached out to some companies. I did it on the Sire guitar. I reached out to, to no, not the Sire guitar. I did it on the Epiphone. If you give me 8% off, I'll mention your store that I bought it from your store. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I get discount. They get a, this, this. So I did that with anybody that, hey, give me a deal. I'll, I'll, how can we work together on this? What's the benefits of this? I know a lot of you guys don't have that option. You can't go, hey, I'll talk about you on my Facebook page. Maybe that's not as impressive sometimes. But... Doesn't matter. Ask for the deal. Let them tell you no. That's the end of it for me for the voice. I can't go much longer. Um, I want to appreciate. I want to appreciate. I want to thank you guys. Or I appreciate and thank you guys for hanging out with me. I know, especially Thursday uh, instead of the Friday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, and um, as always, thank you guys for supporting the channel every week. Um, I know I missed a lot of people in the comments and stuff. And and as always, uh, you know, thank you guys for hanging. In. And uh, it was fun. I hope you had fun. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go, and uh, I will make sure I hit the button at the right time. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, till next week, know your gear. <laughs>